0: Hi, welcome back to Books and Broomsticks. I'm Chaotic Witch Hunt.
1: And I'm Matt Hatter Plays. And
0: today we have a very special guest with us who has been on our podcast before, Witches. Hello. Yeah, Witches, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Dibokim and Dybbuk boxes.
1: Yay. Yay.
0: (laughs) We love haunted items. But it's not actually a haunted (laughs) item. No, it's not. Well, it haunts me, so does that
2: count?
1: Oh yeah, no, it's egregoric now. Yeah, it's haunting you, thus it's haunted. It's
0: it's really something. To get us started, um, I feel like we should know what Deepakim are, especially uh, the role they play in Jewish folklore, because they are Jewish folkloric creatures, are they not? Yes, absolutely.
2: We're gonna, do you want me to really cut to the chase right here? Because I can explain it very simply. Deepakim are a real part of Jewish folklore. Yeah. Dybbuk boxes Mm -hmm. are not. So you can try and understand it very simply just from that basic sentence alone. So a Dybbuk, and there are multiple pronunciations depending on your diasporic group, uh, which diasporic language you speak, but I'll use a myriad of pronunciations throughout the episode. A Dybbuk is a clinging or possessing spirit of someone who has died. Um, It literally means cleaving or clinging Uh, and it comes from a larger uh, phrase. It comes from an abbreviation of dibek Me Ruach Ra. Ruach is spirit or soul. Ra is evil or bad and it literally means a cleavage of an evil spirit. Another phrase is dibuk min haitzonim, a dibuk from the outside, so a evil spirit clinging or cleaving from outside, which is again found, and because of the phrasing of this specific sentence, it means an evil spirit clinging from outside. Mm-hmm. So it is a spirit of a person who has died that is clinging or cleaving on to a human person for sustenance. Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't want to let go. I mean, that's it, it very really simply, doesn't. it doesn't wanna go. I so mean,
2: clinging. It is the ultimate clingy spirit.
0: And
1: Aww. You know, I know X is um, like that.
0: So and it <laughs> Um <laughs> uh uh-huh.
2: mm-hmm. okay. And you know what? Some of the some of the <laughs> it's really funny that you say that because a lot of the documented stories we have of Debokim. Or evil exes. Not, ev- not even evil
0: X's? Some of them are just exes. I'll mention one later on. That's the same like, thing. Once, <laughs> <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> so anyway. mm-hmm. when we are looking at kind of Deepakim or Deepak, uh, dibuk, so a dibik, uh
2: is the singular, dibukim is plural. So generally in Hebrew, generally, not always, uh, when you add the suffix I am, so im, it makes it a pluralized word, and it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's generally the rule. So dibek is the singular, one dibek, many dibukim.
0: So when we look at dibukim throughout Jewish folklore, um, Are there any kind of protective measures that one can take against Dibukim? Is there anything to do once one gets attached to you or is it kind of like game over, you're fucked?
2: There are many things. So there's a couple different things that you mentioned here. So we kind of have to start with a number of of areas. If you want to protect yourself from Dibukim, there's the one basic thing, live a righteous life, live a good life, Uh, follow the mitzvot, be a good Jew, Uh, be a good person, right? That is kind of the basic thing pray because a lot of our prayers are in and of themselves protected Mm -hmm. and a lot of our prayers ask for protection, invite our angel, invoke the angel, specifically ask and call for protection. A really huge one that is uh, used a lot even outside of Judaism uh, and you can see it a lot even by people who claim that they don't invoke the quote unquote uh, Abrahamic faiths uh, is that of Psalm 121, right? which says the Lord will guard me all my comings, might right. Uh, there's a lot of prayers that really call for this. Uh, one of the one of the prayers that we say multiple times a day is the Shema. Um, mm-hmm. there are many ways you can pr- protect yourself just by living your life as a Jew. Then there are specific actions you can take. Don't go to cemeteries uh, at night, don't go unneeded, stay away from dead bodies, don't touch dead bodies, unneeded. Uh, mm-hmm. practice, Cleanliness, Pla- practice ri- purity, right in the sense of ritual purity. Again, wash yourself, bathe yourself, keep yourself clean. Wash your hands. You know what? That's a good reminder for everybody. Wash your hands.
1: Band in your general, ass.
2: exactly. Wash everything. <laughs> Take a shower. Wear a mask. That's also another strong, firm, good belief to have. Mm. Um, what else? Oh, and then again, there's wards, aperture. You know, things you can wear. Um, There were specific words you could wear, things like iron, needles, uh, red beads, coral, blue beads. Uh, There were actual amulets. Written amulets were really, really popular. Jews love writing things. Um, And written amulets were incredibly popular. But again, Dubokim, one of the primary things to protect you from Dubokim was simply living a good, righteous life. Now, if you were possessed by a dybbuk or you had a dybbuk clinging to you, there were absolutely methods of exorcism. Now, exorcism, when we think about it, we generally think of a very Catholic-inspired.
1: An old priest, a young priest, and a whole bunch of screaming.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of giant crucifixes, um, some holy water that's burning some skin, maybe some smoke. Now, our exorcisms don't generally look like that simply because we don't use any crucifixes whatsoever. Um, You know, not really our thing. However, we do have exorcisms, um, and our exorcisms can be a lot of fun. I say that sarcastically. Exorcisms can take place. They don't have to take place in a synagogue, but because synagogues are generally places of worship, they can absolutely take place there. And one of the things about Judaism is you don't need a rabbi for an exorcism. Um, A rabbi, unlike a priest, is not a conduit of God. A Mm. rabbi is chosen to lead a community because a rabbi is someone who has studied and has been granted a smicha a certification has been granted to become a rabbi because they have studied and they are qualified to lead through their education they are not especially holy because they're a rabbi they are especially knowledgeable and it is through their knowledge that they are the person that leads so when you have um an exorcism. It isn't necessarily going to be a rabbi that leads it, but chances are it's going to be because they're the person that's going to know the most. You're going to pick the person that's best suited for the job based on their knowledge. I don't think you'd want someone who knows nothing about astrophysics to be solving an astrophysics equation. I always pick astrophysics because it's like the scariest thing to me. I know nothing (laughs) about it, and therefore... My
0: My cousin studies astrophysics. So what... He wow.
1: has a house.
0: I I'm mean, on my. I'm on. The, yeah. <laughs> I love that that's the measurement pick... of
1: success. Why would he you? A,
0: have no, he has a, has a ha- he has a house in or astrophysics. No, but wait, he I'm confused. Astrophysics and he owns I a house.
1: <laughs>
0: of okay,
1: just so, so happens to own a house. Right listen, why astrophysics?
0: Things, I can't fucking afford a house right now. Why so astrophysics? Um, like, did he tell you ever, or is it just like a mystery? Really fucking smart like i asked him once about hey i know
2: really smart people who can't do math to save their lives he's a math. i'm just saying he's
0: just very into the astrophysics and he tells like he'll come to family gatherings that squirrel's going back for more peanuts um he'll come he'll come around and be like talking about all these things that he didn't like work and i'm like i have no idea what the fuck you're saying but it's really cool
1: i'm not a smart person and also can't do math
0: you're a very smart person,
2: and I, I, can anyone in this hand in this room do math? Raise your hand. Not a single hand goes up. I, <laughs> one hand went halfway up and then very shyly went down immediately. So it no. wasn't mine.
0: And I so. guess I, I to be pretty three three pretty smart people. We got an indigenous folklorist, a Jewish folklorist and educator, and a witch. <laughs> I know a lot of shit sometimes. You,
1: you do, it's fair. Um,
2: I really like the designation. I, first of all, I appreciate that I wouldn't consider myself a folklorist, but sure, I'll take it. I mean, it's really, really giving me a title I don't think I've deserved, but um, you thank you so much.
1: People. So yeah, no, you're doing it. Sure, doing it. thank
2: you so much. Um, but I <laughs> like the designation of just a Frankie. Like that is know, a title know in and of it it itself, was, which you know what? I absolutely believe, because I've known many Frankies and every Frankie is really just forging their own path. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those names where if you have it.
0: OK, uh, um, so okay. exorcism, protective measures.
2: Yeah, so the goal of an exorcism is finding a means of expelling the mm-hmm. and as well as aiding the dybbuk in crossing over. So one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is why a dibic becomes a dibic, And mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a minute, but I'm just going to finish talking about exorcism real quick and how one goes about it. So one of the first things that you do about a possessed person is if you determine whether or not they are actually suffering from possession or if they are struggling and suffering from something like psychosis psychotic depression sleep deprivation or other physical and mental um,
0: deprivation
2: symptoms oh oh yeah Mm -hmm. uh and this is again this is standard procedure for hundreds of years Mm Jews were like well let's actually double check let's actually triple check first because We're not going to go through this whole entire thing only for you to have just not slept in 17 days. The more
0: I learn about Judaism, the more I have considered just a conversion.
2: Our official stance is don't do that. But, you know, (laughs) that's really our official stance.
0: I know it's your official stance. I'm probably not going to, but I love learning. It's also
2: our casual stance. (laughs) Don't do that. Okay, so after you determine whether or not the person is just simply suffering from uh, a physical or mental is- uh, symptom, as opposed to a genuine diabolical possession, mm. then you can move on. So then a minion, which is a minion, not minion M I N N I O N M I N Y A N. A minion is a group of ten or more Jewish adults. In many traditional Jewish circles, it's going to be 10 male Jewish adults, um, will gather together after preparing themselves traditionally through ritual fasting and immersion in a ritual bath, mikvah, again, ritual purity, you have to be clean. Um, and then they will, there are a lot of precedents for ritual anointing with oil, and then they're typically going to be clothed in white. Uh, This is usually to elevate one's status to the closest to being an angel. So uh, on holidays like Yom Kippur, which is one of our holiest holidays, people generally wear white and you're typically not going to wear things like leather or um, animal materials. You're not going to wear things like creams or lotions. Only thing you're going to wear is like ritual oil Um, because you're trying to elevate yourself away from humanity to the level as close to being an angel. And then you're going to wear your uh, talit and your tefillin. Talit is a prayer shawl and tefillin, the English word is phylacteries. Usually, if someone's not familiar with tefillin, the word phylacteries does not help them because it's not a very helpful word. Um, Phylacteries or tefillin are the uh, prayer items that are worn by Jewish people, generally Jewish men from the age of their Bar Mitzvah on or B'nai Mitzvah, Bar Mitzvah on, that there is one affixed to their arm and they contain uh, handwritten scribe written prayers. This one is affixed to the forehead, it's a small box and it's with leather straps and the other is Wrapped tightly around their arm, there's a small box that sits on the bicep and that's wrapped all the way around their arm and onto their hand. You can find pictures of the fill tefillin um, and these are daily prayers that are done. And when you're wearing it, you're in a very specific state of mind with a very specific intention called kavana. So kavana is your intention. So as you wear that with your talit, with your prayer shawl and with your tefillin, you're in a very specific state of mind. So as they gather in this specific state, then they can go into this exorcism. And at this point, you they may use things like incense or sulfur to in, intentionally try and draw out the dybbuk. However, uh, there's also something called a magid, which is a spirit guide or an angelic teacher who might be called in to aid in the removal. And this magid may intentionally take over the body of one of the exercisers. Um, And they may trigger something like automatic writing to intentionally aid in this. Because one of the things that you need to do or is talked about is you need to know the name of the Dybbuk. You need to speak to the soul directly. And while many times people know the name of the Dybbuk just because, well, Tom died and all of a sudden Debbie is really not acting herself (laughs) and doing all the things that Tom does. I'm just going to take like a really
1: <laughs> a quick out in the swing v- in the dark uh, <laughs> swing in the
2: dark that maybe Debbie has been possessed by Tom. Just <laughs> shot in the dark here. It might be Tom. <laughs> I really and don't I feel used, like
1: we needed to interrogate. I used uh, the most
2: generic <laughs> names possible there. I really could have gone wild, though. Typically, Debbie could be Deborah, which is Devorah, which is a biblical name. Though I do love the name Debbie just for like generic things. It's like one of my go-to names for employing things. I'm pretty sure one of my office printers is named Debbie. Anyway, any questions about that one so far?
1: So far this seems to make a lot of sense. Uh it's much it seems much less uh volatile. There is a good word, uh, than like what you see in a lot of more Catholic versions of exorcism. Or at least media versions of
2: yeah, the media exor- <clears throat> media versions of exorcism seem a little bit... Mild. There's a lot of screaming.
1: Yeah! Yeah, there is! It's real does, weird.
2: Does the token um, <clears throat> close to Catholicism person in the room want to speak on this, or no?
0: Um, yeah, sorry. I'm <laughs> kind of We're
2: all
1: sitting here just roasting We're just sitting Catholic here
2: like, now. I don't know anything Catholicism.
0: about Catholicism. So, Catholic- I'm not
2: roasting it, I just
0: Oh, oh no. Um Catholic <laughs> exorcisms are typically not like uh the movies if you're actually doing them. Typical exorcisms are done to exorcise a place. You guys need to stop laughing.
2: I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at Matt's raising their hand like this.
0: Okay, that's what I was laughing at. <laughs> okay. So I would
2: never laugh at, at exorcism. It's uh, a serious some
0: deal. En- some examples Yeah, of serious. That. Of, I'm not familiar with full Catholic exorcisms. I'm familiar with folk Catholic and folk magic exorcisms, which are hold on.
1: Hey, I know that bug. (laughs) They're
0: going to be um, exercising a place, exercising tools before adding them to holy water um exercising uh you can do an exorcism to break a curse um typically if you have something attached to you like a demon haunting there are like exorcism prayers you can do and but like uh and a lot of the prayers we use in healing for like malocchio or envidia um which is evil eye or envy are going to be referencing removing negative spirits from someone's life and home by way of god so those in itself are like you are exercising the bad energy you are exercising the envy, you are exercising the evil eye off of someone, you are healing it. And so when we take that kind of understanding of it in folk magic, you could exercise literally everything. Like I know a prayer to exercise a house. Um, I know a prayer to exercise like a binding of something. I know a prayer to exercise salt and water before combining them to create holy water. I know a spell to exercise uh, an exorcism to remove a curse. So all of these things, it tends to be more focused on what people would need and like removing bad spirits from a place, removing it from a person, etc. More than it is like, oh, demon. That would be more like (laughs) full Catholic church stuff. I don't deal with that. You need to go find a fucking priest if you're really worried about Satan coming for you, okay? I do know of a few folk priests too and folk Catholics that do exorcisms. I personally have only done exorcisms of like exercising bad energy from my house. Um, What would you describe the difference between exercising bad energies,
2: cleansing, and banishing bad energies?
0: So banishing is a term that I typically equate with you know there is something there and you want to get rid of it for me it's almost always more specific so I want to banish um, a bad person from my life I want to banish an ex I want to banish being broke that's when I use banishments cleansing general upkeep I'm cleaning the house I'm making sure I cleanse the space exorcism is for when at least in my opinion, when I know something is wrong, but I do not know the specifics of what. Mm. Because at least in folk magic, and Italian folk magic, a lot of our exorcisms are like, there could be a curse on you, exorcise it. A lot of our prayers have to do with like removing malevolent spirits and bad energy. Oh, and when we're doing like the exorcism I'm most familiar with uses salt. Um, to exercise a space Um, for holy water. It's one of those things that like, because it's associated with the Catholic church and like, that's how you make holy water. You're literally just kind of removing any bad energy that could be there. You don't necessarily know that it's this person that you want to get rid of. You don't know for sure. Um, So when I exercise my house, I'm like, oh, end of the week, I've had a long week. I need a nap, time to exercise my fucking house. Um, because for me, that comes in to a certain point as part of cleansing. Um, like if I, I it's a little bit like cleansing is general upkeep. I do exorcisms as part of my cleansing, which I know a lot is not common, but because they're so common in Italian folk magic, and there are so many prayers that have to do with like removing, who is calling me? Uh, have to do with like, I mean, I can not even think of, hold on. I got one. Bitches got books. So... I've got a great title for this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Bitches got books. (laughs) So a lot of these have to do with the evil eye. But they're... Oh, love the evil eye.
1: Who doesn't love the evil eye? I mean, literally every
0: native person doesn't care. (laughs) So... Water and salt. I hope that whatever the witches devise will fail. Santana, Santana, Sia, Kua, Vafari, Mali, A, whole name. Benasim, Sia, Saint Anne, Saint Anne, whoever wishes harm of a fall, own name. I only wish you well. This one, these are eye prayers. There is a vermi, a worm prayer. Hold
1: on. I have much love for you, but also we have a big thing to
2: talk about.
0: We'll give you a second. Oh, oh,
2: then I probably should put away my book of citations. <laughs> on the wrong topic. <laughs> It's like, oh, we're talking about water and salt combinations? Okay, I got it.
1: Man, my life's easy. We just treat everything like an illness and and cure it.
2: Yeah, but an illness, in the holistic spiritual ecosystem of Judaism, illness is caused by evil forces. And yeah. the evil force can be caused by demon uh, or evil eye. Evil eye can be caused by demon or other human. So you kind of have this whole system of spirituality that is reliant upon itself. So So,
0: what
1: what mm -hmm. I've kind of come to realize, and it's uh, part of the readings that I'm doing right now um, from Bar Tolkien, he talks about Western spiritualism, but mostly Western cultures, um, which indeed does include uh, Judaism to a certain degree. It's very individualistic something or someone is sick whereas when you look at a lot of like native community it's the place or the people are causing sickness so that's why there's less of this like direct uh getting rid of something it's more of a what is wrong with this individual, whether that is spiritual, whether that is physical, um, what is wrong with this individual and how do we get them back to an equilibrium or what do we need to change in the community to make it more better for that individual?
2: I think it's interesting to look at the different histories. When I look at Jewish histories of why a spiritual ecosystem might be so important is when I look at the persecution histories of Jews, because you can see the evolution of, say, there's fright. And I think we talked about the last time, so psychic fright um, and this fear of constant persecution and this experience of constant persecution did create a a very individualistic, but it also did create a communal experience because a lot of these. uh, So, for example, it's in... It's in a book that I don't actually have on my table right now, and I'm not gonna turn around to grab it. But they talk about greatest threat that could harm not just the individual, but could harm the community. Was a Catholic priest. The clergy was considered like the greatest of all sorcerers in the sense that they would cause cause the greatest harm because they would not just harm one person, right? So it wouldn't be evil eye to like evil eye to harm one person to cause them sickness, but would cause evil eye on the whole village. Mm-hmm. Um and that would be say, how would you fix that? There was no fixing it. There was no get rid of the Catholic Church. You couldn't get rid of it. So there was no solving it. There was only solving the one thing. What is the thing that I have in my control? Mm -hmm. Well, it's my neighbor. And she spit at me. And so I (laughs) am going to fix that. Um, And it does result in a very individualistic sense of what is is in your control in regards to the spiritual ecosystem.
1: No, 100%. Uh, I think that it's very, the only thing that's the major difference here is I think it's very much the, how it's handled, right? Uh, yes. Most of the time, it's an exorcism of that thing for this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you'll see in a lot of like medicine, it's the community coming together in order to solve for x or finding what x was wrong uh i think a really great article about it was like um navajo medicine talking about cancer it was never just like oh that person's sick it's like where did it come from and it was like oh that place was hit by lightning which is a translation for radiation, basically, or something was happening. Uh-huh. So then, not only were we trying to treat that with medicine, but also we would avoid that place. Back in the day, that'd be more like a, that is a cursed place. We right. as a community gotta stay away from it.
0: Um, I found, so this is a Latin prayer, it's the Oratio Post Um from the Rite of Exorcism. So it is, like, and I can't find the other prayers that talk about removing evil spirits, um, but this one is Almighty God, we beg you to keep the evil spirit from further molesting this servant of yours name. Back on topic. Um <clears throat> so Him, back on topic. Can you get we a dippic can you get a in a box?
2: Do you want me to finish talking about exorcisms? There's a little bit more. Gone, keep okay. going. Great. Okay, great. There's always more. So um Let's do it. So in Lurianic Kabbalah, uh, Lurianic Kabbalah being a specific methodology or a a specific school of Kabbalah, uh, that believes the exorcism of a Dibbuk must include the tikkun, tic, or repair, mm-hmm. of their soul. Um, Lurianic methodology requires communication directly with the Dibbuk and negotiations regarding their soul. And then the good, quote-unquote, good parts, of the soul of the Dibek are separated from the quote-unquote bad soul, uh, bad parts of the soul, and the good parts are returned to the treasury of souls. Uh, and once the bad parts no longer have a place to live in the human host, they shrivel up and uh, die leaving this world. Um, and while this methodology is specific to Lurianic Kabbalah, it is very reminiscent of other methodologies which are found in other streams of you know, belief systems, as this is a practice that spans across the diaspora, across many different communities, the methodologies vary. And obviously it varies by on a case-by-case basis. Um, so it is also believed that the divic enters the body from the same place it entered, and generally that's the fingers, the toes, that's also seen the throat, the vagina, or the rectum. Um, and there's often believed that there would be a bloody fingernail or toe, and the dip- after the Dybbuk leaves, the victim would go through an immediate change of personality because one of the th- one of the signs of being possessed by a Dybbuk is you know that you are being possessed. It's not like, oh, I wonder why I feel so strange. It's I I know something's bad. I know exactly that there's something wrong. I just uh, I can't help
1: it. I'm thinking of a dibek going through your butt. <laughs>
2: There is a sexual component to people care.
1: What the because... That's the worst kind of possession. Up the butt possession.
2: <laughs> now, I, is it like in a cartoon where, you know when they flush a cartoon ghost on the toilet? I don't know, I know the logistics of this. Um So, there's only one time during this area where it's dramatic and violent, Um, there's said to be violent convulsions only at the time of exiting the body during an exorcism. And that's only sometimes. Now, unlike some other communities, Jews, we love to document our mistakes. So failed exorcisms, highly documented in the Jewish community. Jews recorded success and failure rates very well. Um, To quote Rabbi Jeffrey W. Dennis, reports of misadventures are virtually non-existent in the Catholic tradition. Jews, as always, are highly self-critical. Which, what a great quote. Love that. What
1: a great way. I mean, you learn more from your
2: mistakes than your successes anyway. Right. So they wrote down every time they failed at it. Um, So we, for example, have, and if you go to jewitches.com, I have an article entitled The Deal with Dybbuk, where you can find citations for all of the things I'm talking about and quotations. Uh, you can also find an image, which is what I'm referencing now, which is a text from the 18th century. It's believed to come from Egypt or Palestine. And it is from the famous Kabbalist uh, Rabbi Shalom Sharabi. Um, and it is a, it not only discusses a dybbuk, but outlines how a dybbuk was exercised from a young woman within the community. And it's about how she was possessed by either her husband or her husband to be, because uh, he passed away. and. He got her. That's I water. will be with you one way or the other. Yeah. Um, Scary.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. So... Sorry, I needed water.
0: My question. Can you get a Dybbuk in a box?
2: If you can fit a person who's possessed by a Dybbuk into the box, maybe. But you can't fit a Dybbuk on a box in its own, on its own because a Dybbuk... By definition, based on etymology, on folklore, on what it is, is a clinging spirit that clings to a human host. A box, by all definitions, is not a human. So no, you cannot put it in a box. It's not a human.
0: How does, so how do you feel like the idea of Dybbuk, boxes came about. Because in I would say like five, three, five years ago, it was like super big for people to buy Dybbuk boxes. Oh, Matt's raising his hand.
1: Somebody lied.
2: Somebody did lie. Now, I actually, <laughs> so when I talk about the origin stories, I want to be very careful here. Because when you create, right? So if you want to create a folk story, if you want to create a new story, that's fine. But when you claim it's true, mm-hmm. and when people from outside of a culture insist it's true, tokenize, lie about, and speak over people from that culture in order to profit off of it, that's the problem. If you want to create a folk creature for a story, for the purpose of creating a story, and make it clear that it's for a story, that's fine. I've read many great Jewish fantasy fiction books that create creatures, and call them Jewish fantasy fiction creatures, for the purpose of writing fantasy fiction. But they're very clear. These are fantasy fiction creatures. These are not genuine creatures from Jewish mythology. Um, However, that's not what happened. This is not the case. So in 2003, someone created a box. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they used a box. They called it a wine box. It's not a wine box. It's a mini bar. Uh, And this was done. There was a great journalist who did uh, some work on it, and I would like to cite them for it. Let me pull up their name for the skeptical inquirer. Uh, Kenny Biddle. Kenny Biddle did a great deep dive into this and found that the quote unquote, you know, wine box was actually not even a wine box. It's a mini bar from the United States. It's patented in like 1957. So in 2003, someone listed a box and they created the story behind it. Um, And included in the box, they said, were two 1920s pennies, a lock of blonde hair bound with a cord, uh, a lock of black or brown hair bound with a cord, a small statue engraved with the Hebrew word Shalom, a small golden wine goblet, one dried rosebud, a single candle holder, and a f- and f- uh, and the single candle holder had four octopus-shaped legs. Now okay. the box was sold and. The box had this story, right? It was claimed to have been owned by a Holocaust survivor and brought to America. And then the story gained notoriety and it was sold pretty quickly. And then it just kind of spiraled. I mean, from there, it went really quickly. And it sold to this person who was like, oh, I lost all my hair. And this person was like, oh, my house burned down. I mean, like, we're talking wild stories. Um, And it's completely fake because it's not real. It's not... (laughs) And people were very clear about this. Jews were like, this isn't a thing from Jewish folklore. Uh, I have right here next to me a book by Rabbi Gershon Winkler, who specializes, who talks a lot about Jewish mystical topics. This is his book. It's entitled Dibbik. It's a book Mm -hmm. all about Zbukim. This is the uh, edition that was published. As you can see, it's a very beaten up edition. This one was published in 1981. There's not a dimension anywhere in this entire book solely about divokim, about divoking boxes because they don't exist. Right. Not not a thing. Um, this is the revised edition published, I believe, in.
1: I I mean, but there is. Two thousand two also doesn't include see. it. Yeah. No, but I could see where like, if it's not a flat out lie from each of these individuals, um, there is a certain amount of not obviously Dybbuk, but there is a certain amount of manifesting for yourself that happens. And I think it's, who was the man that talked about it? Basically, a guy who studies uh, horror folklore, like paranormal shit, says that the second you think it and make it your own truth, you're gonna do it. You're gonna make sure that that happens to you.
2: Right. So in, so there was actually a Facebook post where, because the first person who created it once he you, once you put it out there, he basically lost control over it. People who had nothing to do with it were the ones profiting from it. Um, and if you go on Etsy, you can find people, I mean, people who are the children of Pentecostal priests making and selling their own quote unquote Dybbuk boxes. And some of them are downright anti-Semitic, including images, I mean, caricatures of Hasidic Jewish men on the covers. I mean, some, some of them are so horrifically anti-Semitic and they don't, they don't discriminate with their bigotry. Some of them feature wildly racist, wildly anti-Indigenous, wildly horrific imagery on them. Um, They also include, why Catholicism? Because of course, if there's a haunted object, you need a crucifix. Doesn't matter that it's Jewish. (laughs) Well,
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's not even and part also, of
2: that. They'll sometimes. This is my favorite part. They'll be like, "It's an authentic Jewish item," but then they'll have go- they'll have Googled like Jewish symbol, and because of Messianic Christianity, um, which is a Christian movement that cosplays as Jewish, they'll carve Messianic Christian symbols into it, thinking that it's Jewish. Oh my god! And it's like this is embarrassing. This is so. And you're selling it for six hundred and sixty-six dollars on eBay. Oy. Oh, of course. So anyway, in roughly, I believe it was twenty fifteen. The original person said, "I'm the original creator of the dibic box, which appeared in one of my eBay posts back in 20, uh, 2003. The, ori- the idea that dibic boxes have some kind of history prior to my story, and the idea that, Dybbuk, uh, that a dibic box could contain anything other than a dibic, along with any deviation to the type of contents I created to be found inside the dibic box, is laughable at best. How about this? If you or anyone else can find any reference to a dibic box anywhere in history prior to my eBay post, I'll pay you $100,000 and tattoo your name on my forehead." This post eventually got deleted because it didn't fit with the narrative that other people were creating about Dybbuk boxes. Particularly people who had something to gain, like, I don't know, the person behind Ghost Adventures who has made an absolute fortune off of it.
1: (laughs) i despise Zach so much. One day I just want to have a chat. Just want to talk? I just want to talk.
2: And so even when people would come onto the show and be like, hey there's one pretty uh, well-known clip in the jewish community at least where a rabbi was asked on and was like what are you talking and then the clip cuts because the rabbi was about to be like no it was about to really you know and they just cut the rabbi off Mm
0: -hmm.
2: because the rabbi was gonna be like what are you talking about um and if you look at dybbuk box content it is non-jewish people profiting off of it right um and it's a thriving marketplace it's a thriving enterprise people make tons of money off of it and the problem is there are haunted objects there are cursed objects there are possessed objects in mythologies around the globe if you wanted to make and sell haunted boxes on etsy i think it's personally unethical i think it's very unethical for you to um put hot glue onto a box you bought at Hobby Lobby and claim there's a demon inside of it.
1: Well, and I'll even take it one step further. Say you, let's say that you decide to really take that mysticism step and actually haunt that object. That's also unethical. You are literally disturbing somebody's slumber to shove them in a box, which arguably has potential to happen or not happen. and then sell it like you're legitimately right. stashing the essence of some long past person and then profiting right. off So of it.
2: whether or not you're truly doing it or not doing it.
1: It's just unethical.
2: Even if you're not attaching the name of Kim D- to it, when you do attach the name of Dibek to it, what you are doing is causing irreparable harm to Jews. And this is the part that people really struggle with um, because... People don't know the true depth and nature of anti-Semitism. A lot of people think anti-Semitism equals, I consciously hate Jews. And that's not what anti-Semitism is. Anti-Semitism doesn't just have to be, I consciously, and with an awareness, hate Jews. That's not what it is. It can be harboring, bolstering, and keeping with you prejudice, stereotypes, um, Disdain for Jews in a way that you may not even be aware of. Because the reality is, most people, even Jews, we are living in a, in a world that is in very many ways anti Jewish. And anti Semitism is embedded into the fibers of our society and to intentionally unpick each and every one of those fibers to unweave the cloth that is around us is a very intentional act you cannot do it by accident and so unless you make the choice to do it you will be part of that painting and that painting is very anti-semitic whether or not you know it and the reality is you may not have looked further so, you might not even know the tropes that you subconsciously believe because anti Semitism is so much worse and so much more pervasive than people know. And one of the most pervasive forms of anti Semitism that has gone back centuries is Jews as evil sorcerers, as witches, as these demonic creatures who are invariably linked to Satan. And the way that we have been. Per- persecuted for this supposed connection is it's astounding um you probably you the general audience have probably heard about the massive flyer uh being unfurled over the 405 freeway in los angeles saying that kanye was right that organization which you should absolutely not look up that organization publishes the same things talking about how Jews are, you know, responsible for all these atrocities because of our demonic connections to Satan. The same anti-Semitic propaganda from The medieval ages, which connected us to Saturn, which connected us to the devil, which believed that Jews were so evil that even cisgender Jewish men menstruated from their anus because our blood was so evil that, and we were so evil inherently, the only way for Jewish men to cure, cisgender men to cure themselves of this evil affliction was to drink the blood of Christians, and that's why we would... Uh, do blood libel because we had to steal the blood so we could get the blood of Christ through Christians. And you're, yeah, mouthed, wow, it's horrifying. And this kind of anti-Semitism, it doesn't spring up out of nowhere. You have to have it grounded in something. And when you have this idea of, oh, Dybbuk boxes, they're just these little things of, what are they? It's so easy for misinformation to spread. One person with a couple hundred thousand uh, followers on TikTok posted a video about Dybbuk boxes, but they didn't get it right. They posted that it's a box filled with a Jewish demon and that Jewish demon cursed Post Malone when he touched it when he was at the Zach Baggins Museum. And so it was a Jewish demon who cursed Post Malone. Yeah. And so, in the comments oh it was jews who cursed post malone and because post malone got into i believe it was a plane crash and a car accident after that oh that's the power that jews have to sick their jewish demons on people it is that fast it is that quick
1: i was chatting with uh another uh raised jewish uh man he's a contra individual my mentor um uh who do moses he actually even talks about how a lot of jewish sects will no longer uh teach mysticism like as as they used to because to demystify judaism is safer it makes a much it makes a much safer practice so that you're not considered somebody who can ooh curse somebody uh a hundred different ways um so even he's like it's it's a compounding effect there will never be a time where uh we get to just talk about practice
2: yeah. and if i'm you like listen, that sucks if you listen to the f- first episode you guys had me on thank you so much for having me again <laughs> um but i i read a passage from uh joshua trachtenberg's jewish magic and superstition about how jews stop doing one of our most sacred and holy tasks which is Preparing for Passover and preparing for Pesach is one of the greatest mitzvot, one of our greatest commandments. It's one of our things that we believe in so strongly. And for the rabbis to say, "Don't do it," because they will execute us for witchcraft, they will think that we're committing, they will think we are doing witchcraft. Don't do it. It's okay if you don't. This wasn't a, a lone, standalone thing. Yeah, Jews were we were been forced to hide so much of our experiences, our lives, our practice. And it's not just our practices, it's, it's, it's it's, it's just, you know, being.
1: So, and obviously I can't speak to your lived uh, situation, but I can kind of roundabout think about the same kinds of things, Uh, being an indigenous person. You never live your life without looking at the optics of what you're doing. Like, there's always going to be the, okay, what does this look like to a white layman? Like, what does this look like to a Christian layman? Uh, Because anything you do will be taken out of the wrong context, every single time.
2: There's literally a concept in Judaism that talks about, Um, Whether or not you should do something and there's 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 two sides to it whether you should do it based on whether or not a Jewish person sees you're doing it and thinking you're breaking a law but also whether or not you should do something that appears like you're breaking a law based on whether a Jewish law not like Mm -hmm. running a red light whether or not. Break all those laws. (laughs) Yeah. Hey. uh, Actually I'm not advocating for anybody to break any laws.
1: Yes of course. We. Which is another thing that they say Jews
2: do. Right. Anyway. It's
1: fine. I'm over here apparently always being a drunken gambling idiot who's willing to do whatever I want. Sorry. Okay.
2: You know, depending on who you ask, either we're rats or... Or you have a space controlling laser. controlling government. Right. Yeah. Either we have a space laser or we're underground as reptiles. So, or rats. It really depends. Um, it's who so who
1: ludicrous. Ask. I'm sorry. I don't laugh because it's funny. I laugh because it's just so... Um, Real quick, ice pick lobotomy to make me feel a little bit better mm, about my life. Thank you.
0: Yeah. But... Uh, Go ahead. Oh, it's for- Yeah, I was just gonna say
2: that it's really easy to kind of try and detach Dybbuk boxes as sort of this, it's its own category. Oh, it's a new age spirituality. Oh, it's fun. It's really easy to try and detach it from centuries of Mm antisemitism, but you can't. They're inherently entwined in the sense that when you look at the impact it's having and when you look at rising antisemitism, Only if you pretend that rising anti-Semitism isn't happening and that these centuries of anti-Semitism that relies on Jews as the devil can you pretend that it's fine. I mean, if you ask many Jews about whether or not someone's ever asked them or if someone they know if they have horns, you're probably going to hear yes. I know many people who've had people just reach out and like pat them right on the head ask them if their kippah is there like they wear a yarmulke to cover their horns oh is that why jewish women wear wigs oh it's to hide the horns right huh my pastor said you guys have horns is that true
1: how the hell y'all don't end up in prison for literally throwing hands in the middle of the street um wild to me i would straight be my entire life would be just pissed off at that moment in time
0: you know, Didn't you so say know. at one point someone threw coins at you as well? Yes. I, that's a very com multiple times. Sometimes they would throw coins directly at you, but sometimes a lot of times people would do the thing where they just drop a lot of coins in front of you and go, pick them up. Do you, which is, if you ever need someone to just beat someone up, Catholic you know. Catholic, I will. If you need <laughs> a you lemon so hex much. at Christmas mass, you need me to t- stick a Eucharist under my tongue and wrap someone in it, just let me know <laughs> do you because do that I mean, do
2: you have- wrap them in the eucharist now that's no fun.
0: so you take the uh. eucharist you put it with their name you wrap it in like a piece of fabric and then you tie uh. a knot for every year of their life and submerge it in water and for uh. every time the knot like comes undone or goes away they lose a year of their life
2: oh great that's fantastic
0: and there's also an entire prayer we do that's like jesus christ you are good but the devil is better so i that's I have absolutely no qualms picking, fucking hexing a ca- an anti-Semitic Catholic.
2: That's, well, you might have to quit your day job because it might just take the, you a little just bit Just the ones that,
0: that have done this to you, send me their names. I'll just, Christmas mass, I'll just take a lemon, <sighs> take it off during that part of the prayer and just start tossing it. I'll email them to you so you can throw them in their yard.
1: I was just thinking we would mail him a rattlesnake, but that also works, like...
0: You could just um, yeah. sign up for one of those websites that, like, send them so much scam emails that they get overwhelmed.
1: I was thinking glitter bomb, uh, glitter bomb of Dongs.
0: Oh, fuck yeah. Have you- <laughs> when did you first hear about Dybbuk boxes?
1: Uh, so I had heard about it, um, long time ago, because, uh, when you do folklore content, mm-hmm. you get riddled with folklore content. You everybody wants to tell you about everything. And then when Uh I started doing my cursed uh, objects uh, little thing, everybody kept being like, talk about the Dippic Box. And I was like, I don't know enough about the dipic Box to say anything. Um, And then I kind of like looked at it and I was a little confused because like I had never heard of what's the best way to say it? I have never heard of uh, like Jewish mysticism locking it into something. So it wasn't necessarily that I even thought, oh, that doesn't happen because it can only be a living thing. I had just personally never heard of any of my mystic friends or conjure friends or any kind of my spiritual friends locking in a spirit in a box. Usually it was attaching it to something to call upon if need be. One of
2: the advice from a rabbi is, leave your windows open just like a little bit so that demons can come and go kind of like a cat door. Just like you don't want to trap them.
1: Right. right. So there's
2: a thousand demons to your left and a thousand to your right and also one in your toilet. So <laughs> it'd be best not to cause problems with them. I,
1: and I think most of the time when I do like converse with people who do manipulate or conjure or affect the dead who are Jewish, they are fully aware that they are technically going against, uh, like not necessarily law, but like quo. Like they're like I well, understand that we're not really supposed to do. Well,
2: things there are like ways that, that it full, fall. There, there, are, there are ways that it falls totally within Jewish law, and there are ways that it doesn't. Right. So you're not supposed to disturb the dead or harm the dead in any way. So you're not supposed to disturb their bodies.
1: When we do our final thoughts and when we close this, I have to talk to you about my new favorite thing in the whole wide world. So Wonderful. let's do that.
2: If you want any citations on anything I've mentioned so far, you can find all of my citations on Jewwitches.com. The blog post is specifically the deal with Dybbuk. Uh, everything is cited there. There are specific books that are mentioned, specifically Dybbuk by Gershon Winkler, as well as uh, a number of articles. Everything is cited at the end of the article. Sorry. Perfect. I just love citations.
1: That is actually perfect because, you know, it's super useful these days. You have to prove everything according to
2: I put the internet. In the, I put the citation in
0: the description of my podcast. Love that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jew Witches. Um, this has been Books and Broomsticks. I'm Chaotic Witchrot.
1: I'm of Plays.
0: And I'm Jew Witches. We'll talk to you guys next week.
1: What? Somebody saying something on TikTok that's not accurate? <sighs> no.
2: Eyes going it,
0: wide, gasping in shock, hands clutching f- pearls.